It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rule book, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. Time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. Welcome to the Big Rethink. I'm your host, Barry Ross, and today's episode is on facial recognition. If there ever was a technology with huge promise, it would be the combination of facial recognition, AI, and machine learning. The list of benefits, from unlocking your mobile device to speeding through airport security and DMV lines are endless. But the downside of privacy and security implications can pose huge risks to consumers and companies alike. Our guest, Eric Simon, Director for the Enterprise Process Innovation Center, or EPIC, at Panasonic System Solutions Company of North America. He's gonna walk us through his experience with AI, applications he and his team are working on, and what the future may bring. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Barry, excited to be here. It's great to have you. So let's start high level. Tell me about EPIC. What's its charter? Sure, well, to understand EPIC, you have to understand a little bit about Panasonic, at least in North America. So many people probably are familiar with Panasonic as a brand name, very long history of providing innovative, high quality devices, um, really historically to consumers, but really over the last uh, 10, 15 years in North America, it's been primarily uh, providing devices to commercial and industrial markets. So we've become really a B2B company. Uh, these markets include things like food service, where we provide you know, point-of-sale terminals, self-ordering kiosks and the like, uh, electronics manufacturing, where we provide machines that help manufacturers, professional video projectors um, and, and uh, cameras, as well as uh, devices to public safety, uh, police agencies and the like, things like ruggedized laptops, ruggedized tablets. So that's a bit about the kind of the hardware business. And in addition to that, uh, Panasonic has invested millions of dollars in R&D to develop unique software solutions that can really be leveraged to provide value to customers in these markets. So Epic, uh, you know, my team, our primary mission is to take these software solutions, commercialize them, and ensure that they are providing value to our customers, value in the areas of things like efficiencies, cost savings, improving customer interactions, employee health and safety, privacy, and things of that nature. So that's a bit about what Epic's mission is. And I think that background's certainly, I mean, for me, helpful because like you said, we do, from a Panasonic perspective, tend to be corned off in the hardware arena, right? And I mm -hmm. think your team really focuses on the software side, the solution side of it. So let's talk more about some details in terms of what you guys are working on. So. How, in your opinion, has facial recognition with AI and machine learning changed over the years? Sure, that's a great question. You know, a lot of people probably aren't aware, but facial recognition was first invented back in the 60s. It was a very manual process. Uh, there was a gentleman that uh, discovered that you could uh, uniquely identify a face by taking manual measurements of that face and comparing it to, you know, manual measurements of a picture of that face. And uh, obviously very manual, very time consuming. I think it started off by using six or seven uh, measurements of the face. Uh, and as you can imagine, it, it wasn't very useful back then, although it was, you know, the, the, the dawn of a new era, if you will, a new, a new kind of concept. So, you know, fast forward. So through the, the next several decades, uh, various government agencies, financial institutions, other types of companies continued to try to use facial recognition 
Uh, but frankly, the technology, uh, the processing power, things of that nature really weren't up to the task to make it something that would be commercially viable and very useful or even accurate enough. It's really been only in the last few years that the technology has enabled it, uh, facial recognition to be done with a level of accuracy and a level of speed at scale to make it commercially useful. So just for perspective, you know, we talked about those six or seven data points today, up to 150,000 uh, points of uh, measurement can be taken on a face essentially in real time and used to identify that face, Wow! which is yeah, incredible progress, right? So uh, if you look at modern day facial recognition, there are really uh, two types, and this is where AI and, and machine learning come into play. You know, facial recognition conjures images of Big Brother watching, uh, but there are a lot of uses in everyday life that are very beneficial for, you know, you and I as uh, individuals and, and as consumers. And that, that, that's consensual kind of one-on-one -on -one facial recognition uh, interactions. Uh, you know, you use it to access your phone or your laptop or maybe, uh, you know, access a building or even make a payment uh, using your face. And that kind of consensual one-on-one -on -one, uh, facial recognition, those types of events, you know, we have a vested interest in, in uh, accuracy and, and those things being completed. There's a lot of value in that. Well, th there's AI and ML that, that makes that easier to do at scale. But the other type of uh, facial recognition, which is much harder and really requires AI and ML, is one-to-many. So if you have a video where there are, so, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one is you have a picture right. and you're comparing that picture to kind of a known database, right? Uh, let's think about it differently. You, you're capturing a video when there are a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of faces in that video and they're moving. You know, how do you actually capture all of that imagery? How do you pick uh, unique faces out of that? And then how do you do something with it? So in order to do that accurately and at scale, you really need um, algorithms that learn, you know, new technologies like AI and ML to be able to, to, to uh, create uh, commercial applications uh, to, in that environment. So, and, and I think that's also a good point because when you talk at scale, that's a huge difference going back to like the 1960s, where essentially nothing was automated, nothing was at scale. Right. And so you know, that's a good segue into what we've developed. So we, Panasonic, your team developed software called ID Guard that essentially helps redact or blur facial imagery in video content. And so why is that important to what you're doing? Yeah, that's, a, that's another great question. So Panasonic, uh, you know, we, as I mentioned earlier, serve the public safety market. Police agencies provide them with recognized laptops. Uh, everybody's aware that uh, police agencies these days also make uh, pretty serious use of uh, body cams to capture footage of interactions that are happening during the day. What's happening is that there is an absolute explosion in the amount of video that's being captured. So new technologies and new capabilities are needed to really help to manage that. So let's uh, take one example to, to put that into perspective. Uh, back in 2018, the state of Virginia sort of canvassed all of their police forces and found that across the state, just body cams, there were over 7,300 of those in use. And then there were wow. probably hundreds or thousands of, of uh, dashboard mounted cameras in use as well. Now let's think about the uh, amount of video that's being captured. So if each one of those cameras, let's say that they capture six hours of video a day, and, and that's probably on the low side. Right. That means that your 
uh, capturing 45,000 hours of video each day or 15 million hours per year of video. God. Just by those, uh, you know, body, and that's one state, right? <laughs> it, it, it kind of boggles the mind. It, it, and, and those videos, they're being captured to be used in things like investigations. Um, you know, uh, police agencies are often asked to respond to FOIA requests from the press or the public. And, and remember, FOIA was put into place to uh, make sure that there was accountability and transparency in those types of interactions. So, you know, when, when you have that quantity of video, there just isn't enough person power to go through and, 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 and sort of manually figure out how to respond to those requests. Because the other thing that has to happen is when you get a FOIA request uh, or, or any type of request to release video, whether it's in some, in some cases it's a law, in some cases it's police department policy, the faces and other identifying marks of the innocent people in those videos have to be blurred out. Wow. So uh, traditionally that was done manually. And let's think about what that means. So with each um, second of video, it represents 30 frames uh, per second. You start to do the math and the math gets tough to do in your head, but if you take 30 frames per second, 3,600 seconds per hour, it means one hour of video can, can uh, really mean 108,000 individual frames of pictures. Wow. If you have to go in there and find a face and manually redact it anywhere it appears in the video, it can take you five to 10 hours to process one hour of video for a FOIA uh, request. Oh my God. So that's how it's been done traditionally. <laughs> and uh, what we did is create a, create a solution called ID Guard, which uh, really uh, takes about 95% of the manual effort out of that process. What ID Guard does, we, we created a, what's called a video analytics platform. Uh, this ID Guard is the first app that we're releasing on that platform. We, you know, with this explosion of video, we think there are going to be all kinds of requirements to be able to, to process videos and, and deal with them in different ways. What video analytics, uh, what Redaction does is actually uh, it'll analyze the video automatically. And instead of you having to go through and find a face everywhere it appears on those 108,000 uh, frames in that hour of video, what it'll do is uh, basically analyze the video, pop up in a very intuitive UI, all of the faces that appear anywhere in that video. And you can just go through and click on the faces you want to redact. Wow. In tests and, uh, that we've done and, and the users who are using this, what we've seen is a 95% reduction in the amount of time required to respond to requests that involve uh, redaction. What that means is a couple of things. Number one, you're getting that transparency and accountability much more efficiently. And number two, the, the rights of, this, of the people that appear in those videos who are not the subject of, of the video, uh, their rights, their privacy is being protected. So what we're ensuring is both transparency and privacy. And uh, not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, it's all of our tax dollars that fund all the resources <laughs> that have to do all of this, right? So there's not enough people uh, in the world to be able to process all that video manually. So we're, we're helping to make more efficient use of tax dollars too. So that that uh, is kind of a long answer, but that's why ID Guard is really so important. And again, it's really the first application uh, for us in the video analytics realm, we see a lot more things out there to come. Yeah, but and I think I mean, two of those points are hugely important and, and worth repeating, right? The transparency, the privacy, and also, of course, maybe secondary is that 95% reduction in manual labor. And so those are things that I think any company, uh, public sector or not, would be happy to you know explore. But let me ask you uh, some other questions. And so we talked about maybe public sector, public safety being one of the verticals. What other verticals do you see benefiting 
from ID Guard, from Redaction? Yeah, I think uh, what we're going to see over time is that these types of technologies are going to be useful beyond public safety in areas like broadcasting. Because, you know, we're, what we're talking about is an application that's being the, to, that's being used by police agencies for video captured on, on these dash cams and body-worn cameras. Think about all the other sources of video that are out there. Ooh. There are security cameras everywhere, private security cameras everywhere. Ooh. People with cell phones taking, obviously, that, you know, uh, been in the news quite a bit lately, people with cell phones capturing video. The volume of video in that society is creating, um, we believe is just going to create a ton of new requirements for people to be able to deal with that video in different ways. So I think things like broadcasting would be a perfect example if uh, they were to get a cell phone video from somebody before they broadcast it, they've got to blur out those, you know, the faces uh, the, of people either whom they don't have their consent or they're not in the, you know, the public forum. So uh, I think there are going to be a lot of uses outside of public safety over time as well. Yeah, that's good. It's always good to kind of look at other markets as well, uh, especially uh, with what you do in Epic. Um, Let's do this because I know you and I talk a lot about, you know, why we do certain things, mm -hmm. targeting customer pain points. And I think we talked a little bit about this earlier in the segment, but when we start talking about pain points for our customers, we said the growth in like video content from multiple sources. Sure. And also multiple formats. So how does that impact, you know, public agencies? I think we talked a little bit about it in terms of the resources they have. Yeah, I mean, they have very limited resources. I, you know, going back to that uh, Virginia case study, um, they were, in addition to the police agencies themselves, the attorneys involved in the cases, uh, you know, whether they were defending uh, individuals or, you know, in, in prosecutorial roles. Um, uh, the, what they found is that these individuals were spending a large percentage of their time on these cases just reviewing uh, video that was being captured. Uh, and frankly, they were experiencing high turnover in their public defender's office because they just said they don't even have the time to do anything else but look at video. There's so much of this out there. So uh, there's there's tremendous value in making the video uh, accessible in a single place, uh, being able to store it, make it accessible, give them the tools that they need to be able to uh, not only redact images, but uh, that one of the things that we're going to be releasing soon is the ability to search. So if you're, you know, if you've got all these hours of video, wouldn't it be great to be able to say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, somebody in a red shirt or I'm looking for this particular identifying characteristic. And it would go through the video and actually find all that for you instead of you having to scroll through those 108,000 frames per hour in order to be able to find that. So uh, there's a, a huge uh, pain or and, and corresponding value in terms of productivity. Uh being able to, again, assist these agencies in uh, uh, their their duty and their responsibility around transparency and privacy. Um, and in order to scale this kind of thing as well, you know, what we found is that the cloud is a very, you know, you hear a lot about the cloud these days, but cloud is a very good um, kind of platform to be able to execute uh, the, this type of video process. So what we've done is partnered with Microsoft and their Azure platform as our provider. Uh, for our ID guard solution. We also envision using them for, for future solutions in this vein as well. But again, a lot of the pain is around just not having enough resources, not having enough time, and the need to uh, fulfill these public information requests in a, in a timely, transparent, and private way. Yeah, and I think, you know, from a public defender standpoint, I'm sure once you got your law degree or some type of advanced degree, you probably didn't think that you're going to be stuck in front of a monitor, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure nobody envisioned that. Video. Yeah, they said, you know, some of them said they were spending 75 to 80% of their time just looking at video. I mean, wow. and, and for an individual client, they said they don't even have time to, you know, to be able to properly 
um, defend, uh, you know, their other clients or prepare to defend their other clients because of how much time it took to just review video. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine. And, and so, well, one last thing about a, a, a customer pain point, and it seems like, you know, Azure will help us with that. But when we talk about machine learning and automate, uh, automation, you know, they seem to be strong use cases or complementary to ID Guard redaction. Like, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't think you could do what we need to do with redaction, particularly at scale without those technologies. I mean, it's just, right. you know, to, to have technologies that are able to learn, get better over time, to be able to process uh, incredible amounts of data in a very quick period of time uh, without ML and AI, that you just, that's just not something that would be even feasible without those technologies. Um, otherwise, mm. you'd be, you know, stuck back in the old days of, you know, the, the handful of measurements and having to write rules and everything. And that's just, uh, it wouldn't scale. It absolutely wouldn't scale. So again, I don't think it would be possible without these new technologies. So, so I'll tell you what, I, I think we've kind of gone into the detail, the weeds a bit, which I love. Mm -hmm. Let's pull back a little bit and talk about what are some of the other trends you and your team are tracking to? Like anything you have like high expectations for in the coming years, coming months? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously something that's very timely right now is uh, COVID-19. Uh, there are a lot of companies trying to figure out how to enforce things like social distancing, how to ensure employee and customer safety. Right. Um, have manufacturing sites that have clean rooms, for instance, where a lot of people go in and they uh, they get clean and they gown up. <laughs> but uh, you need to enforce social distancing in that setting. Uh, the, so one of the things that we uh, view as having really a lot of potential is the ability to use video technologies, the cameras, in a lot of cases, cameras that are already in place, mm. uh, to do things uh, to enforce uh, social distancing in the workplace, to help also ensure customer and employee safety, which is really what it's all about. Uh, companies, as we try to come out of COVID-19 and get into an operating cadence and environment that works for everybody, you need to be able to, to comply with laws, but also ensure the, the safety uh, of, of both your employees and the customers uh, in order to, to just get back to doing business. So we view video and video analytics as playing a huge role in that going forward. Uh, in some cases, it'll be thermal imaging uh, to detect when people have you know a, a temperature that's higher than uh, higher than normal. In other cases, it'll be literally using the video to do things like enforce uh, social distancing, alert somebody when social distancing isn't being uh, followed so that that can be corrected. So uh, really some pretty timely uh, use cases that we probably wouldn't have even thought of three, four, six months ago, yeah. right before all of this happened. So um, those are some trends and things that we think hold a lot of promise in the very, very near future. And, uh, it, and simply put, just cool stuff to be working on to begin with anyway. Yeah, it's pretty cool that. stuff. You know, you yeah. talk about facial yeah. recognition, people are interested, you know. For a variety of reasons, they're interested. So, well, it's a timely discussion, and so, you know, when we think back on this on this podcast, you know, what would you want, you know, our listeners to remember, you know, from this discussion? Anything stick out? Yeah, I think a couple of things. First of all, you know, facial recognition is really nothing to be afraid of, right? It, we're using it every day as consumers. We've opted in and consented to things we're probably not even aware of ton of value for us as consumers in facial recognition. Uh, as it get, you know, again, we're, well, I can conjure in images of kind of Big Brother. Really, what, what we're offering is a way to make people feel more comfortable that their, their government agencies, their police forces 
are living up to their uh, their need to be transparent, the requirement for them to be transparent, protect privacy of individual citizens. And um, to, to me, that's really what it's all about, privacy, transparency, and accountability. If you think about facial recognition from that perspective, it's really nothing to be afraid of. It's really working for all of us and, and helping us all to, um, helping us all in a, in a way, in, in ways that we wouldn't have envisioned even just a few years ago. Well, here, here, uh, Mr. Simon, uh, no truer words. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we are, we're almost at the end of our time. So I, yeah. you know, a favorite question of mine, uh, and, uh, you know, no lying. I'll, I'll be able to tell if you're lying or not. One question okay. for you. One last question. What do you love most about your job? Me besides doing podcasts with you? <laughs> Okay, okay, so yeah, that, okay. You, you, you figured out that's I was that lying. I actually, uh, what I really enjoy out of out of my job the most, and there are a lot of things that I enjoy, but you think about the variety of end customers and markets that we're working with and the different solutions that we have the ability to take to market. I can't tell you how many times we interact with people and they go, wow, that's cool. Or wow, I didn't know you could do something like that. Whether it's facial recognition or, you know, the kiosks that we've introduced that have with a, with a partner of ours that, ha, you know, allow you to pay with your face. Just the, the wow factor, the ability to bring solutions to people that they didn't even know were possible. Uh, really, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really love that aspect of my job. And, and again, there are a variety of things, but that's probably the thing that, that I enjoy the most. I think uh, I think we're going to have you on the show again. And OK, I would love to do it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And for what it's worth, you know, uh, it's been great, and we do hope that you come back. So thank I you. I enjoyed it, and I'd be happy to do it again. Thank you uh, for the opportunity to talk to you today about facial recognition and ID guard. I enjoyed it. Well, that's it for us and another episode of The Big Rethink. But before I go, something for us to think about. Technology can benefit everyone if we understand all the associated use cases, both good and bad. And then we can make intelligent decisions. As technologists, we should always have the discussion on what the trade-offs are when we use innovation to get work done. Visual recognition and AI are no different. Until next time, I'm Barry Ross. 